just a little bit more. Praise the Lord. Uh, I have a heart cry. I have a heart cry this morning. I have a heart cry. And these, and I, and I have a declaration in my heart. It's just like God has stirred something in me, um, more than it's already been. I have a heart cry. As we prepare, as we enter in, uh, I just kept asking him. I wanted to go on with some, the theme that I was talking about last week, but he really, uh, for me, he spoke to me. His heart is for. Our land. Earlier today, earlier today, you know, we're about to to celebrate the independence of America. Two hundred and forty-six years. There has been no other nation on the face of the earth that has lasted that long without completely nosediving. Come on. This country, whether people want to acknowledge it or not, we're going to talk about some of those things. So he had me delve in and dig. And I want to share some of those things with you because I was stirred when I began to read. You know, the question that we hear all the time is, is America a Christian nation? We're going to find what was the intent of our forefathers what was the intent of even the pilgrims that came, you know, over 200 years before the independence of America, the land of the free? And just as we are free in Jesus Christ, there was a great price to be paid. And he paid it for every human being on the face of the earth from the beginning of time Forward, the blood of Jesus was paid. And there has always been a sacrifice for freedom throughout the ages. There has been a blood sacrifice, and we're going to talk about some of that today. But I am stirred in my spirit. I'm stirred in my spirit. And I'm grieved at where we've come. Earlier today, as we were preparing for worship, some of us... We were moving the flags. We have the Christian flag here represented. It is red, white, and blue. We have the American flag here, red, white, and blue. And it has come under assault, both these flags or banners, if you will, that have been carried in wars or in peaceful times, have come under the assault from people that were born in this free nation, I was talking with some people this past week. I've always thought it would be so wonderful if it was part of our curriculum or, or just tradition that before someone goes to college out of high school that they would go one year and travel to other nations of the world, third world nations. You cannot come back. You cannot go travel like that and come back. And so many of the nations have prospered, even to that degree, and continuing to go out. No other nation in the world has ever given as much 
to see things happen in the rest of the world. Albeit there have been sins committed, but the forgiveness of God when the people come before him and humble themselves and repent of their wicked ways and acknowledge them. And once again, he moves the mighty right hand and arm of God and healing is released upon the hearts and upon the land to once again produce milk and honey and sustenance. I am stirred today. And I am not ashamed. I am not ashamed to say that I am a patriot. I am not ashamed, nor do I feel guilty, to say the pledge of allegiance to the flag. I pledge allegiance to the flag. If you know this, say it with me. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America. Amen? For which it stands. One nation. Can you say it with me? Or have we forgotten? When I grew up, we said it every day before school started. One nation under God. Indivisible. And yet we see the wages that have come to try to infiltrate and cause us to be a divided nation. My heart grieves. There is not one man or one nation that stands among us today or has in the past without having sinned, and some greatly. But again I say, God is willing to forgive us our wicked ways if we repent and we surrender to his will, and we surrender to his way. This is the God we serve. He's not ready to crush you. He doesn't want to destroy you. He does not want to send his wrath or his judgments. He wants you to surrender to his plan and to his love and to his greatness and his plan that every human being would have equality before him. That we'd walk in health. That we would prosper. We're going to talk about some of these things. What is a patriot? When I was a child, you would have answered. You would have had an answer for that. In today, the answer is not the same necessarily. That's what it was. But I'm not ashamed. And I have been not completely around the world, and I have not visited every nation in the world. But God has sent us to pray over many nations and peoples. In the course of my life, I have no idea how he planned it and made it happen. But I pray for the nations that one day we can all surrender. And there is a day coming. Oh, yes, there is a day. Amen. So, 
246 years. If I live four more years, I will be able to celebrate 250 years for the United States of America. I want to read something to you that I found. I'm just going to read it. So how many of you remember Paul Harvey? He used to be such an amazing man. I used to love, I loved his voice. I only wish I could say it like he would. So if some of you know who Paul Harvey was, um, then you can kind of, uh, I'm not here to impersonate him, but just think of him speaking this to you. Americans, you know the 56 men who signed our Declaration of Independence on the first 4th of July. You know they were risking everything, don't you? Because if they won the war with the British, there would be years of hardship as a struggling nation. If they lost, they would face a hangman's noose. And yet, right there where it says, quote, we herewith pledge our lives, our fortunes, and our sacred honor. They did sign. But did you know that they paid the price? When Carter Braxton of Virginia signed the Declaration of Independence, he was a wealthy planter and trader. But thereafter, he saw his ship swept from the seas. And to pay his debts, he lost his home and all of his property. He died in rags. Thomas Lynch, Jr., who signed that pledge, was a third-generation rice grower, an aristocrat, a large plantation owner, but after he signed, his health, health failed. With his life and wife, he set out for France to regain, regain his failing health. Their ship never got to France, and he and his wife were never heard from again. Thomas McKean of Delaware was so harassed by the enemy that he was forced to move his family five times in five months. He served in Congress without pay, his family in poverty, and in hiding. Vandals looted properties of Ellery and Clymer and Hall and Gwinnett and Walton and Hayward and Rutledge and Middleton. And Thomas Nelson, Jr. of Virginia raised $200 million, excuse me, raised $2 million on his own signature to provide provision for our allies, the French fleet. After the war, he personally paid back the loans. It wiped out his entire estate. He was never reimbursed by his government. And in the final battle of Yorktown, the same Thomas Nelson, Jr., urged General Washington to fire on his, Nelson's home, his own home, then occupied by Cornwallis. And he died bankrupt. Thomas Nelson, Jr. had pledged his life, his fortune, and his sacred honor. The, 
the Hessian seized the home of Francis Hopkinson of New Jersey. Francis Lewis had his home and everything destroyed. His wife was imprisoned. She died within a few months. Richard Stockton, who signed the Declaration of Independence, pledging his life and his fortune, was captured and mistreated, and his health broken to the extent that he died at 51. And his estate was pillaged. Thomas Edward Jr. was captured when Charleston fell. John Hart was driven from his wife's bedside while she was dying. Their 13 children fled in all directions for their lives. His fields and gristmills were laid waste. For more than a year, he lived in forests and caves and returned home after the war to find his wife dead, his children gone, his properties gone. He died a few weeks later of exhaustion and a broken heart. Lewis Morris saw his land destroyed, his family scattered. Philip Livingston died within a few months of hardships of the war. And John Hancock, history remembers best due to a quirk of fate, that great sweeping signature attesting to his vanity towers over the others. One of the wealthiest men in New England. He stood outside Boston one terrible night of the war, and he said, quote, Burn Boston, though it makes John Hancock a beggar, if the public good requires it, burn it. He too lived up to the pledge. Of the 56 signers of the Declaration, few were long to survive. Five were captured by the British and tortured before they died. Twelve had their homes from Rhode Island to Charleston sacked and looted and occupied by the enemy or burned. Two of them lost their sons in the army. One had two sons captured. Nine of the 56 died in the war from its hardships or from its more merciful bullets. I don't know what impression you've had of these men who met that hot summer day in Philadelphia. But I think it's important this July 4th that we remember this about them. They were not poor men. They were not wild-eyed pirates. These were men of means. They were rich men, most of them who enjoyed much ease and luxury and personal living. They were not hungry men. They were prosperous men, wealthy landowners, substantially secure in their posterity. But every single one considered liberty. They had learned that liberty is so much more important than security, financial security. That they pledged their lives and their fortunes and their sacred honor and every one of them fulfilled their pledge. They paid the price and freedom was born.
they were patriots. That is what I knew at one time in my life is what it meant to be a patriot. Amen? That, I agree with that definition. I want to talk, we are celebrating the independence, the Declaration of Independence. But if you will, I would like to bring your attention to what that meant to those founding forefathers and those men who fought this great battle for freedom and liberty. And I want to say that we call it the Declaration of Independence, but I want to make you think it was really a declaration of dependence. For if you read the Le Declaration of Independence, you will see it is filled with statements about their dependence upon God. Upon God. If you are questioning what you hear in the marketplace and on the news or maybe even in your neighborhood, I want you to have some facts so you can make up your own mind. No one here is saying they were perfect men. They were filled with imperfections and struggling with the nature of sin itself, as we do. But they were men of valor, and it took only the courage that could come from God himself to do what they did. Because there was too much fear that would bring a natural man to run for the hills. Only God could release this kind of courage. Our text this Sunday is Deuteronomy 8, verses 7 through 14. For those of you who are taking notes, and Proverbs 14, verse 34. Wow, a momentous occasion. I want to talk about John Adams, one of the signers of that declaration, and I want to tell you a quote that he said during the time of signing it. I don't know how many of you have actually been to Independence Hall in Philadelphia. It's an amazing place. I got to see the Liberty Bell when it wasn't all boxed in and covered and it was standing outside and you could actually touch it if you wanted to. You could see that great crack in that huge bell and I could only imagine what it sounded like when they were trying to ring it. The news went forth and sounded out for blocks. I don't know how far, but it is a huge bell. The sound and the ring of freedom for our nation. John Adams said as he was signing it, quote, whether we live or die, sink or swim, you know, we, want, we have that idiom in our own uh, vocabulary, don't we? Well, it's sink or slant, swim. This is where it came from the day they signed it. 
John Adams said, whether we live or die, sink or swim, succeed or fail, I stand behind this declaration of independence. And if God wills it, I am ready to die in order that this country might experience freedom. End of quote. It was that kind of patriotism that led men, that led men armed with more than barely more than hunting rifles. Come on. Some didn't even have that to engage in battle with what was the most powerful nation in the world at the time. Many of our forefathers paid a terrible price in the Revolutionary War, but finally they won the victory so that you and I might be citizens, come on, of the land of the free and the home of the brave. That is still my America. I have prayed before we gathered here today that the brave heart of God, that the brave heart of Jesus Christ would arise in you. That you would be able to state his truth without shame and without guilt. That you, the brave heart, would rise in you to speak about the freedom of Jesus Christ that you have found and the price that was paid and how he looks at our nation. For we could not be where we are without him. We often forget that in declaring their independence from England, our forefathers made an equally strong declaration of dependence on God. Almighty God, that very day. I want to read in the second paragraph of the Declaration of Independence, it begins with these words. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and justice, and the pursuit of happiness. The closing words of their declaration solemnly states, the last paragraph before their signatures are there, quote, with a firm reliance on the protection of divine providence, we mutually pledge to each other our lives, our fortunes, and our sacred honor. We hear the last few words that I spoke earlier today, but we don't hear that sentence that pre-preps uh, us for that last few words. It says, with a firm reliance on the protection of divine providence. That is God. That is God Almighty. That is God Father. That is the Godhead. 
They're saying that in the very last statement before they sign. This is how we can even sign it. What are they saying in that statement? They know that it's God's will. He's, he's imparted to them faith and a fight that, and a courage that overcomes fear. And they can only do this because they are depending totally on him for his will and his plan to be executed and they're willing to die for it. It's important that we remember this declaration of their dependence upon God for in a time that we find ourselves in in world turmoil, the United States today is rapidly forgetting the God of our fathers, the God who gave this nation its greatness. People would say, why are we talking about this in the church on Sunday? Because God was involved in the, in the birthing of this nation from the pilgrims that came across the shining sea seeking freedom of religion, seeking freedom to worship God in freedom. Oh, Lord. God gave this nation its birth and its greatness. Amen. I trust that all of you recognize the name of Patrick Henry. Most of you do. But I'm afraid many of our school children might not even know or maybe have not even heard of him at all because of the way our education system is going. Patrick Henry was a famous statesman of colonial Virginia. I'd like to read to you a few of the things he did, and I will tell you why I felt this was important for us to know. We might have forgotten. In 1764, he was elected to the Virginia House of Burgesses, where he became a champion of the frontier people. We were not the United States of America at that point. We were called a frontier we were people standing up, founding a, a land and a country. He supported them, their rights against the arrogant exercise of power by the aristocracy. In 1774, he was a delegate to the First Continental Congress. In 1775, one year before the Declaration of Pendants was signed, before the Provincial Convention, which was deeply divided, between those who supported England and those who desired freedom. He uttered his most famous words. You have heard these words. They're like unto it in the state of New Hampshire. Give me liberty or give me death. That means I am going, I am will, I am going to and I am willing to die for freedom and liberty from aggression. Amen? During the Revolutionary War, he became commander-in-chief of Virginia's military forces. He, there were 13 colonies that had come together to represent America at that time. From, from Massachusetts on down to South Carolina, 
Sometimes we only think of this liberty in the New England area, but it went all the way to South Carolina on the east coast of, of America. He was a member of the Second Continental Congress, and he helped draw up the first constitution of the Commonwealth of Virginia. And he was primarily responsible for drawing up the amendments to our Constitution itself, known as the Bill of Rights for every American. He became Virginia's first governor and was reelected three more times. He then decided to return and retire from public life, but despite his strong, strong, strong objections, the people went ahead and elected him anyway. But he was a man, he, he meant what he said, and he refused to take office. He was offered a seat in the U.S. Senate and posts as ambassador to Spain and to France. President George Washington himself asked him to join his cabinet and become Secretary of State and later wanted to appoint him the Chief Justice of the Supreme Court. But he refused all such honors and recognition. This is Patrick Henry, a patriot. Why do I mention these things about him? It's because I want you to realize that he was an important and respected leader in those days when our no nation came into being. Constantly, I hear those leaders called white supremacists now. I want you to know factually who these men were. Now listen to his words. He said, quote, If you have questions about what their intent was for America, if you have questions about whether America was founded on God's principles, if you have questions about is America a Christian nation, listen to these words. He said, quote, it cannot be emphasized too strongly or too often that this great nation was founded not by religionists, but by Christians. Not religions, but on the gospel of Jesus Christ, end of quote. You must know this. You must know the truth. In fact, his last will and testament was filed in the Brook Brookdale County Courthouse in Virginia. You can go there and read it. Read his will and you'll see that he bequeathed everything he had to his beloved children, just as most people do. But the last paragraph in his will is very and especially interesting. He wrote, quote, the last thing in his will. One of our forefathers. I have now given everything I own to my children. 
There was one more thing I would wish I could give them, and that is Christ. Because if they have everything I gave them, and they don't have Christ, they have nothing. Amen? And summing up that, I, I really enjoyed reading about Patrick Henry and George Washington and John Adams. I've read some of their stories and some of their books and the miracles that happened for George Washington where bullets came and God, pres- by the providence of God, he was saved. You don't read those things in our schools anymore unless you're in a non-public school. And Thomas Jefferson and all of the many other patriots who gave of themselves that we might enjoy the freedoms that we have. But we also must be reminded again of the solemn warning that God gave to another nation, which was experiencing the thrill of independence after centuries of slavery in Egypt. Although it was written over 3,000 years ago, this warning could very well be spoken by every prophet of God over all the nations of the world, but especially America. In Deuteronomy 8, 7 through 14, Moses tells the people, directed by God, quote, For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land where you shall eat food without scarcity. When you have eaten and you are satisfied, you shall bless the Lord your God for the good land which he has given you. But now here comes the warning. Beware, lest when you have eaten and are satisfied and have built good houses and lived in them, and your silver and your gold multiply, and all that you have multiplies, then your heart becomes proud, and you forget the Lord your God. Do we have reason today to be concerned about this warning? We must watch out. We must guard our hearts and not forget God because the testimony of history has made it abundantly clear that not only nations but also individuals need to heed that warning. The greatness of a nation isn't measured by military power, technological advancements, or national wealth. Righteousness and justice are the determining factors. God overthrew one of the greatest powerful nations in order for the, his people to be set free. God overthrew one of the most powerful nations in the world in order for America to be birthed as a nation 
one nation under God. Someone wrote, I read these. Someone wrote, what in the world is happening to our kids today? Do we say that? Let's see. Uh, It started when Madeline Murray O'Hare complained that she didn't want any prayer in our schools. And our Supreme Court said, okay. Then someone said, you had better not read the Bible in school anymore. The Bible that says, thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not steal and love your neighbor as yourself. And our nation said, okay. Dr. Benjamin Spock, he was on the rise when I was raising my children, but I didn't have the money to buy the book nor listen to that. He said we shouldn't spank our children when they misbehave because their little personalities would be warped and we might damage their self-esteem. So we said, okay, we won't spank them. Then someone said that teachers and principals better not discipline our children when they misbehave anymore. And our administrators said, well, no one in this school is to touch a student or speak a word of discipline to a student when he misbehaves because we don't want any bad publicity. And we surely don't want to be sued. Then someone said, let's provide our children with condoms so they can have all the fun they desire. And our nation said, that's a great idea. Someone else said, let's provide abortions for underage girls. And they don't even have to tell their parents. And our nation said, that's another great idea. Then some of our top officials said that it didn't matter and doesn't matter what we do in private. And we said, well, as long as I have a job, it doesn't matter to me what anybody else does in private. It's none of my business. So now we're asking ourselves. I hear it all the time. You hear it all the time. I even say it. It comes out of my mouth. Why our children have no conscience. Why they don't know right from wrong. And why it doesn't bother them to kill. Probably if we think about it long and hard enough, we can figure it out. (laughs) I think it has a great deal to do with what what we sow we will reap. The things and the principles I just spoke about have been going on for about 70 years in our nation. It took 70 years to get us where we are right now. If we are true, as I conclude here, if we are truly, if we are truly, truly concerned about America, then what can we do? If you earnestly want God to bless our nation, then we must live a life in harmony with the word 
For the word of God is the will of God. The word of God is the plan of God. Only then do we really have the right to sing, God bless America. Land that I love. Stand beside her and guide her through the night with the light from above. From the mountains to the prairies to the oceans white with foam. God bless America. My home, sweet Let us heed the warning of Deuteronomy chapter 8, 7 through 14. Let us humble ourselves and pray. And repent of our sins. God said he's always out there looking to and fro in the earth to find a man or a woman or someone that would stand in the gap. That means I can't change the sins. I can't make others stop sinning, but I can stand in the gap and I can repent for those sins and cry out to God for mercy and his grace that he would turn his wrath away from our land and that we would surrender He said if we humble ourselves and repent and pray, he will heal our land. And she has suffered great wounds in the last 70 years. May they be healed. May we heed this call. May we not forget it in our own lives and be simply running about on how we can fill that bank account. Again, None of that matters in the scope of things. For we aren't taking it with us when we leave this world. So I ask you to stand with me as we bring our offering today. And we're going to sing, God bless America. Amen? And then after that, we're going to take communion. We're going to take communion. And we're going to remember the price that was paid, that we can assemble here today. And the price that was paid, that we can assemble here in freedom without oppression, without oppression, and recognize and give glory to God and do that in remembrance of Jesus Christ who died for us. Thank you, Pastor. So sing it with all your heart. I want to sing these words today together with you. Amen? May God bless America.
and will continue to do in Jesus' name. Thank you for bringing your offering. We will be saying goodbye to you as we partake of the Lord's body and his blood shed for us in the for, for the freedom that we have in Christ in Jesus' name. We bless all of you. Have a safe weekend. We bless you all in Jesus' name.